Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bobby and Jens. As always, my name is Bobby Julik, and on the other side of the Atlantic, my buddy Jens Volkta. Jens, how you doing? It's all good over here. Um, I don't have really anything interesting to say. Just a usual day. Uh, did lots of sport. Um, kids are all happy and alive. Still only six kids, not more. No COVID cases yet. But other than that, I'm afraid I have not any interesting or thrilling news. Oh, but you do. I mean, we, we had such a great weekend of, of sports. Um, felt like... Spent most of my weekend just watching my phone, the computer, the the television. You know, we had the World Cyclocross Championships here in USA. Big deal, big deal. Lots of great racing. And then wake up on Sunday, we got the Australian Open. We got the NFL playoff games. I mean, there there was a lot. But uh, the thing that stuck out to me was what a great course they had in, in Fayetteville. Uh, Arkansas. I mean, that was that was so fun to watch. It made me think, like, man, I wonder if they keep that up there. I'd love to just go and ride that on my gravel bike or my my mountain bike and just putt around a little bit. But man, the racing was fantastic. Uh, congratulations to to all the new world champions. But the one that really sticks out, you know, just when you thought you've seen it all, I remember. Neil Stevens back in the 1997 Tour de France doing the victory salute of rocking the baby. I remember Juan Antonio Flecha doing the pull the bow back and let the arrow fly. But I think I found my brand new favorite victory salute of all time. And that was Tom Pidcock, Tommy P as we call him since he's been on the pod before, doing the Superman across the finish line. I mean... How cool is this kid? It is. And he had all the right to do it because um, according to all the old-fashioned rules, they put him in a second start line. He was the main favorite, but he still didn't get a spot in the first line. So he had to start from a further down position, made his way straight to the front, and basically just kicked everybody's behind. So yes, he had all the right in the world to salute or to um, decide his uh, victory salute any way he wanted to. And yes, it was pretty cool. Uh, it was one or the other, right? Like Zoe Bagstead won by quite a large margin. The the Belgian rider, I'm spacing on his name right now, that won the, the under 23 men. Um, they had time for that sort of stuff. They had time to think about what they wanted to do, but man, a couple really close sprint finishes there as well with the the junior men, and then especially there with the the elite women, Marion Voss avenging her last year's world championship sprint loss, um, and this year beating Lucinda Brand. But what a what a great weekend! Um, but today, our special guest from a very young age saw both success on the track and the road from the junior to the under 23 category she made her transition into the elite ranks competing for italy in the 2020 olympics but it wasn't until 2021 where she really took a step into the spotlight by winning the Elite Women's Road Race Championship in front of no, none other than Marianne Voss. 
So please sit back and enjoy our great conversation with Elisa Balsamo of Italy and a new member of the Trek Segafredo women's team. Hello, Elisa, and welcome to Bobby and Jens. Hi, thank you. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Jens and I had a little bit of a conversation before you came on. We were like, hey, have you ever spoke to Elisa? Does she speak uh, good English? And you have put those worries to rest because you speak very good English. Thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> thank you. My English is not super good, but... I really want to improve this year my English. Yeah, well, um, you have that opportunity to do so for sure. We'll get into that a little bit later. But listen, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into the the sport of cycling? Um, I understand that you played some other sports in Italy and uh, your dad was a bit of an influence. But um, yeah, how does it work over in Italy as a as a junior woman racer? How do you get into it? Uh, yes, when I was a child, I did a lot of uh, sports. Uh, I ski a lot because uh, in my own time, hometown, uh, there is a lot of snow. And yes, I um, start with cycling at uh, six years old. But uh, 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 as I told you, I did a lot of sports also. Uh, I don't know, swimming and uh, other sports. Then uh, I think when I was 14 or 15, I decided that uh, cycling was my favorite sport. And so um, I go, I went on my bike and yes, no more skiing or swimming. And yes, my dad and my mom, uh, they love uh, sports, but uh, uh, of course cycling. And so, uh, yes, it's thanks to them that uh, now I'm here on my bike. <laughs> so when you say in your hometown, you, you had a lot of snow. I believe it must be very, very difficult in the winter to train on the bike because it's snow everywhere. Do you still do sometimes ski in the winter as to change the sport a little bit or you have to go south to train on the road? Uh, yes, it, it was very difficult and uh, it's also very cold in Cuneo. And so um, two years ago, I moved in um, Sarnico, is on uh, Iseo Lake. And here is better. There is um, a warm weather and uh, there is also the track is very near Montichiari and so uh, during the winter but also during the summer I can train also on the track. So <clears throat> obviously you're a multiple discipline athlete uh, track and road was was track racing what you got into first or were you on the road and then kind of went over to the track? Uh, yes I started with the, uh, the road and then I tried the, the track. Well, I mean, you were immediately successful in in both of those. Um, in 2015, you came over here to America. Was that your first trip to America when you came over for the 2015 World Championships in Richmond? Uh, no, because I went in America for holiday with my parents. And so it wasn't the, the first time for me. 
And um, now that you have tried the road and the track, uh, you want to keep going in both directions or you want to focus only on the road or you think maybe I can do the world championships on a track as well. What's the plan? Um, yes, I really like to go with both uh, track and road. And uh, last year was... Um, Uh, I, I did a lot of track uh, because uh, of the Olympic Games. Uh, maybe this year I can um, I can do more road, but um, of course I will do some um, track World Cup and um, maybe also the European and the World Championship on track. Well, I want to go back a little bit because, I mean, you're you're very young now. You're 23 years old. But um, in in 2016, you won your first world championship. And we'll get to the world championship, uh, the next one that you won a little bit later. But what were your memories of becoming world champion in 2016? I mean, that was in Doha and you beat one of our uh, American riders, Skylar Schneider. Um, do they all just kind of run together or was that really, really special the first time pulling on the, the rainbow jersey? Uh, of course, it, it was special. And the rainbow jersey is uh, uh, like a dream, I think, for every cyclist So. Uh, for me, was special and wonderful, and of course, I know that the junior world title is important, but not like the elite one. But uh, uh, when I was junior, is uh, it, it means a lot for me. Yes. And um, winning the world championships um, at the juniors, and then you moved up to the women's level or elite category. Was it difficult? Because as a junior, I think you still have race or gear restrictions, right? You have a certain gear ratio you can use as a maximum. Then with the elite level, was it a big change that you have no gear restrictions anymore? The speed must have been faster. Maybe you push bigger gears on the climbs as well. Was it a difficult transition for you or you had so much talent that you went, nah, this is not too bad? No, it was very difficult. And I really think that uh, also in women, uh, the under 23 category should be important. So I really hope that maybe uh, in these years, uh, there will be also this category. And it, it was very hard for me, but um, luckily I was in a... A small team, and uh, we started with um, some um, races, also uh, not only in Italy, but also, for example, in Belgium or in Spain, but not uh, top level races. And so uh, maybe uh, it was the best way for me to grow up uh, step, by, step by step. And uh, but yes, it, it was very difficult also because. Um, Uh, uh, I had to race with uh, uh, women with a lot of experience and um, uh, very talented girls. And yes, it was difficult. 
Yeah, Jens and I were also uh, speaking about that a little bit because you know we paid attention to the World Cyclocross Champions Championship that just happened, and there was a, a under twenty three women's event. So th- the more research that we did, we were like, man, I I don't think that's that's a common thing. But you said that you would like that to become part of the repertoire of of cycling, uh, because yeah, going from a junior, uh, what, 17, 18 years old, and then all of a sudden having to race against, you know, the the more experienced women, it does seem like that under 23 category like the men have would be a little bit easier of a transition instead of just going from junior directly into the elite ranks. Uh, yes, uh, I completely agree with you. And also, um for example on um during the european um championship uh, on the road and also on the track there are there is the under 23 category and i think that is is very important and uh we need also on road uh, the under 20, uh, 23 category uh also um at the world championship but um also during the season with uh, some races only for the under 23 girls yeah now that um women's cycling has taken such a huge step up there's more women there's a lot more really good women so yes i believe there it's time that there's a women's under 23 category as well i completely agree um, we need uh, to stress that subject more. We need to push that more that the women also get a under-23 category. Uh, but now you already 23, so you would be just out of it, right? Um, now yes. let's talk <laughs> Let's talk about um, last season for you. I mean, it seemed like it worked really, really well, right? You did the Olympics and then you become um, road world champion. Um, what, what's your memories about that? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about your world championships? Oh, um, I think both the, the finish line at end was, uh, uh, it was special. Um, I thought about my teammates and work they made. They were uh, fantastic and perfect in everything, and in, uh, from the first kilometer to the to the last, and also on the podium, uh, I, I I I can't I couldn't stop crying because I was super happy, and uh, I also can't believe that uh, I I won the the road world championship. And it was uh, a perfect day uh, with a lot of people on the uh, on the road. And uh, after a long time without um, uh, without people uh, uh, on the road, it was special. Not only was it special, but I mean, you had um, some of the best, most experienced winningest women in the world just throwing haymakers at you. And when I say haymakers, that maybe doesn't translate into Italian, but I mean, it was just attack after attack after attack. It definitely wasn't the easiest course. You did have a strong team. 
What was the tactics going in for the Italian national women's team? Because, you know, yeah, on paper, the, the Dutch were dominant. They had so many options, yet, yet you were able not only to win, but your team was able to control that final and do a very good lead out for you. What was a little bit of the team tactics going in? Were you confident or was it just kind of like a wait and see and then everything just worked perfectly in the end? Uh, no, we we want uh, a, a small group for a sprint uh, at the finish, and uh, my team work hard for uh, for that. And um, Elisa Longoborghini and Marta Cavalli uh, were uh, ready if some uh, girls uh, attack on the up and down part of the circuit. Uh, uh, and then uh, yes, we 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 were called together for only one result, and uh, I think that we were the strongest team uh, at the World Championship. It was a very very nice display of um, team spirit and teamwork together when uh, the Italians came to the front in the last lap to lead out the sprint. But at at the team meeting the night before or in the morning before the race. Did uh, your boss, your national coach, already say, hey, today is the day for Elisa? We all work for her. Was that clear from the beginning? Or did he change that a little bit in the middle of the race after they saw that you were having a good day? Or was it all from the start clear that you want a sprint for Elisa Balsamo? Um, I think that it, it was clear. Yes. Uh, we know that uh, maybe. Um, something can happen because during the race uh, uh, is not easy. Maybe uh, someone uh, didn't have good legs or uh, a crash, but uh, everything was good and I feel good. And also uh, I can stay with the first part of the, the peloton also in the up and down part. And also on the um, uh, cable, uh, and so uh, yes, when we arrive in the um, in the last part in the city laps, uh, we were uh, we know that uh, we have to close every attack and to to make a, a made a, a good lead out for a perfect sprint. If you want to get more out of your free time, sign up to Outside Plus. For less than a dollar a week, you can get a hard copy of Valley News magazine, choose two books a year from VeloPress, access all the premium content from the whole Outside family, including Yoga Journal, Peloton Magazine, and Backpacker. And that's not all. There are discounts of the hottest gear and biggest events as well as virtual health and fitness courses. It's $350 of value every year in one $99 subscription. But if you head to valuenews.com slash outside plus and enter Bobby Jens 25, all one word, lowercase, at checkout, you'll receive our special 25% discount and you make a good deal great. And now back to our chat with Elisa. All 
Okay, now let's talk about that perfect sprint. Um, you're you're 23 years old. Uh, you're in the final couple hundred meters of a world championship event. You look behind you, and there's no other but Marianne Voss on your wheel. What what goes through your mind there as as a youngster? I mean, Jens and I are old. We've kind of lost that perspective. But was it just I need to beat her? Or I need to beat Marianne Voss. Were you thinking like her reputation, her experience? Because you seemed to hesitate there for a second, but then you said, no, I, I just got to go. I mean, Marianne Voss, it's, it's, uh, I would imagine it'd be incredibly intimidating looking back and seeing her on your wheel. But tell, talk us a little bit through what was going through your head in that moment. Yes, um, I was scared because, as you said, Marianne Voss is Marianne Voss and she's super strong. And yes, but um, when I saw the finish line, uh, the last uh, uh, at the last corner, I said, "Okay, Lisa, you have to switch on your brain and push on your pedals." And I did. So I did, and. Yes, when I start, started the sprint, I saw Marianne uh, behind me uh, and I really go, I really went full gas till the finish line. And then, yes, it, um, it was like uh, I was in another world. I can't understand <laughs> what I did. And uh, yes, it was a perfect sprint. And with uh, a super strong uh, uh, riders uh, behind me. And I remember I saw all the um, the images after the finish line. Your teammates were so happy with you. You were all hugging each other and just laughing uh, together. Um, are you still grateful for them that they gave everything for you and you still have a close contact? I mean, you have a team member with Trek Fredo now with um, Elisa, but um, you still have a close contact to the other team members? Uh, yes, of course. I know, um, for example, uh, Maria Giulia Consalonieri very well and uh, we were uh, teammates Uh, in Valkar and also I was a uh, teammate with uh, Vittoria Guazzini and uh, we uh, we trained a lot uh, together also on the track. We, we are like sisters <laughs> now because uh, uh, yes, last year we, we were together I think every day of the of the year and so uh, uh, we we know each other very well. And also, yes, now I'm teammate with uh, Elisa Longoborghini and uh, also Marta Cavalli, we're in Valkar. So, uh, yes, is like a family. It's not, it's not only the national team for us. But <clears throat> this year is, is going to be different. I mean, I think you're prepared for it. You're world champion, reigning world champion. You've just switched to the Trek Segrafredo women's team. How how has it been over this off season? Do you feel any added pressure? I mean, there's not many people uh, that during the winter get to go out training and pull on rainbow striped jerseys and shoe covers and and gloves. I mean, it's obviously a reality now. But what 
what sort of added pressure do you feel or do you maybe not feel heading into the the 2022 season new team world champion you know everything yes um is um, a big change for me and not only a new team but uh, also the rainbow jersey and so um i think that it is going to be hard because uh, this jersey is very important but of course i'm training hard and i really want to uh, take some good results and i feel a little bit of pressure and i also think that um, in track uh, segafredo we, we um, I, I have a, a super super strong teammates with a lot of experience and so of course they can help me with uh, the, this jersey and um, I can I can also work for them and they can work for me. And that actually jersey, where is the rainbow jersey you got on a podium? Is it there at your place, at your apartment, at your parents' place, or where do you have it? Yes, is uh, uh, at my home, and uh, um, I think maybe. Two months ago, we put the bike on the wall, the rainbow bike on the wall. And uh, yes, we are working also for uh, uh, put the, um, the jersey and the medals on the, on the wall. Oh, that's fantastic. We need a picture of that later. Yes. Maybe you show it on social media and yes. then we all can share it because I'm curious to see it's got to look beautiful. Okay. <laughs> of course. So so let's talk about this season. I mean, what where are you in your your phase plan in in your training? I know that you have uh, a race coming up here pretty soon in uh, the middle of of February and then it seems like you have a pretty heavy classic schedule coming up. Um, how did the training during the off season go? I, I can imagine that as world champion you have a lot of new obligations you probably had to do a lot more um you know interviews like maybe like this one but yeah where where are you how do you feel uh coming out of your 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 rainbow season and and into a totally new one where you will be wearing that jersey for the entire year um yes of course this winter was different from the other ones but uh I think that the most important thing is to find a good balance, um, and uh, I'm. I think I'm working um, in the good uh, direction, uh, and also the team is helping me, and uh, um, um, I'm working hard with my coach, and I'm happy about my winter. Uh, I have. Um, Uh, I think uh, 20 days um, and then the, the season will start. So uh, I'm, I'm happy and I really want to, to start the, the races and uh, to, to wear the jersey, the rainbow jersey and also to race with my, with my new team. And I'm positive about uh, the, this season. Did you already had a training camp together with the men's team? Because then you could also ask Mats Pedersen how it feels to start a season in the rainbow jersey, if it's easy or not easy. 
or maybe talk to Lisi Danyang. She's a former world champion. You know, maybe you can ask her, hey, how is it to race in a rainbow jersey? So you have an ID already before the races, right? Did that maybe could help you? Uh, yes, of course. I I think that uh, uh, being in a big and super strong team like uh, Trek Segafredo is very uh, useful for me because, um, uh, yes, my teammates can help me and they they have a lot of experience also with the, with the rainbow jersey and so they can tell me uh, uh, the feelings uh, and the best things to made and uh, uh, also um, uh, Lizzy and also um, Amelie Dideriksen, she was a world champion so uh, of course they can help me. And is it in your plans this year to do a little bit of track racing as well? I, I know that the, the Olympic cycle is a little bit shorter this time around because we were postponed by a year, so it's only three years before the next Olympics. But are you going to focus mainly on the road or will you integrate a little bit of, of track racing into your program? Uh, yes, we put a little bit of track also in my program because I think that... Um is uh, important uh, and I think that track can help also the road season and so um, I'm training one day a week also in Montichiari with the national team and I think that is very important for me and for uh, uh, not only for my track season but also for my road season. And um, talking um, about the, the coming season or maybe the year after as well, Uh, where do you see yourself developing? You want to be a classics rider for the one-day races or maybe you want to try the overall classification at some stage races? You look at yourself as a pure sprinter or you want to do a little bit more time trialing? Where do you see your own, your future in the sport? What, what discipline do you like the best? Uh, I really want to become uh, a classic rider. And I really love uh, uh, one day classic like uh, the Belgium one. And uh, um, uh, I, I think that, yes, I can also work for uh, some stages in the, um, I don't know, or Giro d'Italia or uh, Tour de France. Uh, but my favorite part of the season is the first part. Well, You know, you, you've come a long way. I remember seeing you for the first time when you won a stage of the Tour of California. Um, I believe that was back in 2018. No, 2019, I believe. And, you know, the sport of women's cycling has definitely is definitely on the uptick. Um, what are some of the things that you've seen so far in your young career that you think are positive in the sport of women's cycling and what things do we still need to work on in, in your opinion? I mean, you have a huge voice right now. You're the world reigning world champion. I'd just be interested in hearing your take on some of the, the positive things and then some of the things that you would like to see for, you know, the remainder of your career and even the next generation of, of young women. Yes. I think that, um, Women cycling is growing up year by year, and we are in 
the right way. Um, there are a lot of big, uh, big teams, uh, super organized team and super professional team. Um, I think that um, is also important uh, the um, live uh, streaming of the races. And for me, it's the, one of the most important things because uh, uh, there are a lot of people that uh, love cycling, but, but it's difficult uh, to uh, follow women cycling if uh, there isn't the live TV live of the races. And so uh, I hope that um, this year there will be uh, all our races on the TV. So uh, also all the people at home, all the sponsors can see us racing because I think that our races are wonderful to see. And uh, the visibility is very important for women cycling. I have to agree. These are some wise words. Visibility is very, very important because just like you said, your races are wonderful to watch. I mean, your win at the World Championships. What an exciting race with attacks from the beginning to the end. Then the Dutch team looked so strong in the end. You took it. It was a fantastic race to watch. And only at the very last moment, we could see who is the winner. So it was exciting until the last meter basically so yeah i i hope so too we get more races of you to see well i'll tell you one thing you have a great uh paul Mares already and i'm sure you're going to continue to be more successful thank you so much for coming on our podcast today giving us a little insight into your history of racing the description and the memories from the world championship uh the experiences now with the the new team and just all the best in in 2022. We'll be we'll be looking for you because um, last year we had a pretty good track record of people coming on our podcast and then being very very successful, um, you know, in their next races. So we're we're passing that good luck on to you and wishing you all the best. <laughs> okay, I really hope, <laughs> and it was a pleasure to stay here with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Elisa, for being our guest. It was an honor to have you as the world champion in our podcast. Thanks again for being our guest. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Huge thanks to Elisa Balsamo for being our guest. And thanks for listening. Please give us a five-star review and share us with your friends. The show was a Velo News production in association with Shock Giraffe. The producer was Mark Payne, and this episode was edited by Tim Mosa. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bobby and Jens and share your cycling stories with us. Mm -hmm.